Good morning, everyone. It is November 14th, 2021, and this is my third podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, and I'm Dr. Donna Kelleher, holistic veterinarian um, in Washington State. <clears throat> and um, so one of the things that makes us holistic as veterinarians is um, that we don't just focus on the causative organisms. Um, so causative organisms would be like the COVID virus or the um, bacteria in the case of a urinary tract infection. Although those are important, um, we in holistic medicine like to look at the underlying causes. Why would someone succumb to an, um, an infection in the first place? And so in this chapter that I'm about to read from Zen and the Art of Caring for Pets, um, it's, it's focusing on this particular aspect of holistic medicine. Um, what I have discovered by sort of working with free catch urinary samples from dogs, mostly, um, people have trouble getting them on cats, <laughs> um, although some people can, um, <laughs> is... Um, is that there's numerous causes of urinary imbalances in, um, in animals. Um, sometimes there's stress. Like it's very common for cats to have urinary um, in tract infections, even bacterial ones, when a client gets a suitcase out because they're going to go on a trip and the cat gets stressed. Um, in the case, and you know, or urine or diet. Diet plays a huge role in um, urinary imbalances. So, for example, just a quick little thing before I start reading, but um, it's very common for dogs to have a high urinary pH. So, if you only focus on the bacteria that grows in the urine, and I'm not saying that's not important, sometimes it is, but if you only focus on that, if that's your primary focus, then what you do is um, the veterinarians now really focus on getting a urinary cystocentesis. So um, they actually (laughs) insist on getting the urine themselves um, through a long needle and into the bladder. Um, And this is okay. I like to do it in a less stressful situation. And sometimes you need to do those tests because you really are looking at what organisms the laboratory could grow. And, And this can really help you to decide what kind of antibiotics to use. But but in the case of what I'm focusing on here, because I think it's underappreciated, underfocused on, and veterinary medicine has, in a sense, forgotten about just looking at the other things. Maybe it's forgotten about it, those things, because other parameters besides bacteria, because they don't really have that many tools in their tool chest that can take care of it. All they really, you know, sort of have is sort of um, anti-inflammatories and antibiotics. So... Let's look at the urinary pH. A urinary pH is governed by what an animal eats and also how well their kidneys work. So a normal for a dog would be something like 6.5, occasionally seven, that's a little bit high, um, or even six. For a cat, it might be right at six is pretty, and so the urinary pH reflects how much um, protein is in the diet and how much protein that particular species needs in their diet. So how many amino acids are in their diet. And then also it reflects what types of amino acids. So we know, for example, the sulfur-containing amino acid L-methionine 
acidifies the urine. So it's one of the things that we use to acidify the urine. Why is this important? This is important because a high urinary pH alone can cause urinary tract infections and incontinence. A lot of older dogs are put on um, medications that stop urinary incontinence like PPA, phenylpropanolamine, which just squeezes down the sphincter without um, any regard to other imbalances in the urinary system. For example, a high urinary pH can also cause incontinence. So, and, you know, it all really kind of comes down to how well the dog is, what the dog is eating, and if that's a good diet for that dog. There is not one diet that's good for every dog. Um, you need to, that's really nice to figure it, either figure it out yourself or have a holistic veterinarian that really understands this to help you. So I mentioned the importance of urinary pH. There's another thing that people sort of overlook. There's a couple, several things, but the pH is one. The protein, if there's any protein getting spilled in the urine, that's another. Whether or not there's blood in the urine, and I don't just mean white blood cells, that would be for, that you would see, you know, in elevated in a case of, of UTI that's bacterial, but I also mean um, red blood cells. So why would a dog spill red blood cells when they have no infection? And this happens very commonly, but you know what, what, antibi- what veterinarians are clever. So what they've figured out is if they put the dog on antibiotics, it will quell the heat. And this is, what, this is another thing that antibiotics do is they cool heat. And in Chinese medicine or in holistic medicine, that blood in the urine is a heat sign. So basically, with, through the use of antibiotics, they stop the blood in the urine. But this is not good medicine. This is not good medicine at all. They are not figuring out the causes of the, urine, of the blood in, in the urine, which can have to do with allergies. Um, it can have to do, and Chinese medicine has a lot to do with liver heat, because the liver heat can spill into the bladder and cause hematuria. So that's blood, red blood cells in the urine. It's very painful to a dog or cat, very painful. Um, I have discovered that yarrow tincture will also quell that (laughs) blood in the urine. It's a hematuria and um, it stops a hemostatic. It will stop the blood from spilling into the urine. But that also is not good medicine. It's better for me to figure out why. Why is there blood in the urine? So I'm just giving you a whole background into how a really thinking, um, analytic, holistic vet would really attack urinary tract infections and chronic ones or urinary tract imbalances. And then, you know, hey, what do you know? You can avoid crystals. You can avoid stones. You can have a very comfortable, happy animal. I think a lot of dogs are sitting there with like problems this way. Um, So anyway, um, probably people are too. (laughs) But let's go ahead and do a reading from, um, gosh, what chapter is this? Oh, I may not know. Let me see. I'll I'll tell you guys. People tell me I have all the time in the world on a podcast that I don't have on a video. I guess I'll just read a little bit from Zen and the Art of Caring for Pets. Well, one of the things is that um, I I, I wrote this book is because um, we were having a lot of problems in our field. We're sort of a field of veterinary medicine is a field in crisis right now. We have veterinarians that are um, burning out. Um, committing suicide. We have technicians we cannot even hire because we're 
what do you know? They don't want to get paid nothing. <laughs> um, usually they're getting, they, historically, technicians who do the hardest work um, get paid under $10 an hour. And that's just, I think that's all going to have to change if we're going to have a field in the future. But um, so, yeah, I wrote that, this book because of that and because of the wanted to wear, raise awareness about um, things like the, what I'm going to read about in this chapter. Um, and then I'll get to the, let's see. So to be good doctors, we must be good teachers. To be good teachers, we must also be lifelong students, always listening and asking questions. That's my prologue, I guess you might say it, or my inscription. It's just a, um, I just think like the more we can ask questions, of course, we have to be very secure, not holding on to our egos. We have to be very like, you know, hey, we're good doctors. We're good doctors because we ask the questions that we do not know the answers to. And that is really tough these days, you know. Um, <laughs> maybe you've discovered that working with your vet. Um, anyway, yes, it looks like it's chapter 17, The Lost Art of Urinalysis, page 126. Um, if you ever want to, I'm going to flip to it now. If you ever want to help me out, I tell you, if you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, we need to try to get that number up to, um, we need to get that number up to, a thousand if we can. It's only 300 right now. I thank you guys for the 300. <laughs> but subscribe to my YouTube channel. And boy, you know, it's only like 10 bucks to buy this book on Kindle um, on Amazon and give me a review. Even if you don't really like the book, I don't care. You know, <laughs> give me a review. I love reviews. I, I, I love constructive criticism as long as it's, you know, positive in the end. It's just trying to give you information. I don't you don't need to actually love it, but I have got 27, I think five star ish reviews. Um, and I keep going back and forth, but you know what? I'm just going to read you the table of contents. Okay. I've got an introduction. Num chapter two is the perfect escape. Three is through the microscope. I'm going back into my high, uh, veterinary school days. Four is the time to heal. It's about how we don't have that much time in veterinary medicine, especially corporatized veterinary medicine. Five is unintended, unintended consequences. Six is trying harder. Seven is another perspective. Eight is broken whiskers. Nine is caring and connection. Ten is the inner observer. This is how uh, we can cope better as healthcare practitioners. Please read The Inner Observer if you're a veterinarian or in veterinary medicine or just caring for people. Eleven is The Anatomy of a Mistake. The Anatomy of a Mistake. Twelve is Criticism in the Digital Age. Boy, that social media can be friend or foe. <laughs> um, Thirteen, A Path We All Take. Fourteen, Hypericum and a Horse. Fifteen, Choosing the Rainbow Bridge. This is... This is, a, this is a hard chapter, but really important too. 16, the ripple effect. 17, the lost art of your analysis. <laughs> the one I am keep trying to get to, but <laughs> distracted. 18, the dog with a crooked smile. 19, IBD, one syndrome, many causes. Inflammatory bowel disease, that's what that stands for. 20, an epidemic of scratching. Why are there so many itchy dogs? 21, Op options for Cushing's disease, 
2022, the DCM controversy. That's about the heart disease that veterinarians think you're causing by giving your dog a raw diet, but you're not causing it. They need to, um, but there, but there are nutritional, um, uh, problems. We need to talk about those. 23, the healing crisis. You know, holistic medicine, a lot of times there's a very short, brief holistic uh, healing crisis that happens when someone is about ready to get better or a four-legged someone. 24 is balance. 25 is about the author and then afterwards and references. Okay, this is the lost art of your analysis. And I apologize ahead of time. Uh, I'm not the greatest... (laughs) I'm not the greatest reader of Out Loud, but we're going to try it here. Seven years ago, one of my long-term clients brought in her newly rescued chocolate Newfoundland named Lola. Weighing in at 120 pounds, Lola was regarded as small by Newfoundland standards, a mere fraction of the weight of her father. But due to the, but to the casual observer, she was a mountain of a dog. Standing at a hip height, panting and drooling most of the time, she was considered dry mouth by breed aficionados, people who apparently forgotten what a normal amount of saliva looks like. Whenever she moved, a few chocolatey wisps of guard hair would wave back and forth over her forehead, sometimes pointing in all four directions. Before Sarah and Justin adopted her, Lola's life was more complicated. Living in a tumultuous home with two babies and two arguing human adults, she spent most of her time relegated to the backyard, living a lonely life. At only four years old, Lola had already suffered from bladder infections and urinary incontinence her entire life, often smelling like an overused litter box. She was diagnosed with urinary tract infections multiple times every year, causing her to urinate in the house. The large volume of urine destroyed the couple's hardwood floors and carpets, so she she had to spend most nights outside by herself. Lola was a calm and deeply emotional dog and appeared to have a special place in her heart for children. If she heard a child crying, she'd practically break through walls to save them. She'd be close to the jungle gym in case a child needed a dog to balance on. In her previous home, she had been isolated and reprimanded for her house soiling, a practice that only aggravated an already inflamed urinary tract. Her previous owners brought her to the veterinarian several times a year when Lola whimpered at the door to go out every few minutes, indicating that Lola's bladder pain and blood in the urine had returned. The veterinarian did everything by the book, insisting on a sterile urine sample for proper diagnosis of urinary tract infection, but this procedure required Lola to be on her back as as he took a long needle to extract the urine through the abdominal wall. This technique called cystocentesis was considered standard of care, but just added to Lola's already high stress level. Each time, sorry, (laughs) each time the culture came back positive for E. coli, and each time the problem resolved, albeit temporarily, with a course of antibiotics. In holistic medicine, antibiotics are generally cooling to the body, so they will often reduce the inflammation in the bladder with or without a bacterial infection. 
but un- but unfortunately, Lola's symptoms returned soon after finishing the antibiotics. Her underlying imbalance had not been addressed. <clears throat> In Tibetan traditional medicine, there are nine important aspects to evaluate um, when observing the urine. According to holistic medical principles, bacteria are often considered a result of underlying imbalances, often caused by a poor diet, <clears throat> food allergies, a high stress level, and weak kidney chi. The goal of a holistic veterinarian is to is often to cool the liver, resolve emotional imbalances, and strengthen the kidneys. Sometimes such your such some oh symptoms. Apologies. Symptoms such as urinary incontinence, frequent urination and blood in the urine can all be point to dis- different causes depending on the pattern of imbalance. The urine is also a window into the body's acid-base balance and a reflection of how well a diet is working for a patient. When Lola first entered my exam room, she was despondent and depressed, often turning away from us. I examined Lola's tongue, which was pale in the back and red on the sides, a classic appearance of liver chi stagnation and kidney deficiency. My acupuncture points consisted of kidney three to strengthen the kidneys, liver five to cool the liver fire, bladder 23 and 28 to support the bladder and kidneys and conception vessel one to tighten the urinary sphincter, which is right under the tail, um, and prevent incontinence. Acupuncture is an excellent way to strengthen the meridians and organs that are weak and soothe the ones that are overactive. For her needle, with her needles in place, Lola soon slept. Her large chest raised and lowered deeply, her heart rate slightly increased, and her nose began dripping. All good signs of a good, all signs of a good treatment, and indicating that we were stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system or the yin of the body nature's natural anti-inflammatory. As the treatment began to balance Lola's organs, Sarah and I reviewed the results from what seemed like endless list of urinalysis. The first thing I noticed was, was that on nearly every urinalysis, Lola's urine pH was elevated at 8.5. Her pH should be 6.5 or less, I said. A a pH of 8.5 is closer to a vegetarian horse or a vegetarian animal like a horse. (laughs) What diet is she eating, I asked. Lola has been, has eaten every prescriptionary diet known to mankind, Sarah said, as she stroked the worried lines between Lola's eyebrows. I thought about the extremely poor quality ingredients in most kibble diets, and prescription diets were no exception. <clears throat> in urinary, in human medicine, especially in America, our diets are often too acidic and can lead to excess inflammation in the urinary bladder. But ironically, the problem in dogs and cats is frequently the opposite. Dogs and cats require an acidic diet for good urinary health. Sometimes prescription acidifying diets can solve the problem, but in Lola's case, they did not. Ideally, raw food would be the best diet for Lola. It would provide the amino acids that are crucial for healthy urinary tract, especially L-methionine, which would acidify the urine naturally. Proteins and their, bu- and their building blocks, called amino acids, can be highly allergic, allergenic, sorry. 
and reactive to dogs and can even contribute to urinary incontinence as well as immune-mediated disease, skin allergies, and inflammatory bowel disease. As a result, many of my clients belong to raw food co-ops, enabling them to feed their dogs novel non-factory farm proteins such as guinea hen, alpaca, venison, elk, and rabbit. And by changing proteins once a month, some cases of urinary incontinence can be completely cured. Since Lola would need three to four pounds of food a day, feeding Lola an all-raw diet would cost $15 a day or more. Um, Fortunately for Sarah's bank account, Lola refused to eat raw meat, so we finally settled on 50% cooked turkey and vegetables and 50% commercial low-carbohydrate diet. I also recommended cranberry extract, L-methionine, and herbs to help with bladder inflammation. I then saw Sarah... I then taught Sarah to use a urinary reagent strip to test the urine pH at home and adjust the L-methionine as needed. Once a month, she would bring in a sample for urinalysis and with only occasional urinary cultures to check for bacteria. Uh, side note here, the bulk of the work in holistic medicine is on the patient or the patient's caretaker. <laughs> and so that's what differs it from um, conventional medicine a lot. And also we require people to actually understand, really, really understand what's going on, if at all possible. So that's a side note. (laughs) While interpretation, back to the book, while interpretation can be challenging, testing urine at home is often important in the management of sterile cystitis, a urinary tract infections and other urinary tract diseases. Making home-prepared diets and home-testing the urine are two ways holistic medicine deviates substantially from conventional medicine, giving the client a greater role and responsibility in their pet's health care. Sarah spends a lot of time with food preparation, but less time visiting the veterinarian. To obtain the urinary samples at home, Sarah would take Lola on a leash in her backyard and... Sorry... And as Lola squatted, Sarah would sneak a tray tacked to an old broomstick, holding it under Lola's wide urine stream. This drew strange looks from the neighbors, but it's not every day. Or it's not every day you see a girl holding a broomstick under their dog's hind end in hopeful anticipation. In just three visits and regular sanitary clips. Um, at the groomer to keep Lola clean, Sarah and I were able to cure the dog's urinary problems permanently. And living with a stable and loving family without periods of isolation has dramatically helped imbalance or balance Lola's emotions. Five years later, Sarah confided in me. Lola helped me so much. I spent year I spent years with four and five dogs, but we. But when I decided to have kids, I felt a bit lost, Sarah said. I can understand that. I I never had kids, so I would be completely disoriented, I joked. <laughs> it's not that funny. It's true though. But anyway, it's funny when I when I had when I had my first boy, Lola was there by my side teaching me how to be responsive. We can definitely learn a lot from our dogs about how to be better people. I still occasionally see Lola, now 11 years old, for arthritis in her knees and back. 
Although her, her fur is graying a little, it still flows like water, swaying in slow motion as she continues to do her job as protector of her human pack. It's a tough job, but some dog has to do it. About a year ago, oh, this is another story. Yes, let me just see. Yeah, okay, we'll read it. Let's do it. About a year ago, a man named Ken and his young Aussie doodle, Coco, were referred to me by the regular veterinarian. Coco was urinating so much blood that he had become anemic, his other symptoms being weakness, pain, and straining to urinate. Because the dog was only 10 months old, each veterinarian thought they could cure him quickly with a simple course of antibiotics, despite the lack of bacteria in his urine. Ken even took Coco to a corporate specialty practice in North Seattle. I read through the report. Conclusion. Idiopathic renal hematuria is, is a rare condition in which a patient has hemorrhage from the kidney due to an unknown cause. In Coco's case, his right kidney is the one responsible for the hemorrhage. Many patients will have hematuria as their only symptom, but urinary obstruction from blood clots or systemic signs of anemia can also occur. Historically, a nephrectomy removal of affected kidney, in parentheses, was recommended if the disease was unilateral, but this therapy has fallen out of favor since 30% of the patients will eventually develop bilateral disease. That means it happens on the other kidney. Sclerotherapy is the most successful approach. This is from the this is from the corporate specialist. Couldn't believe this story, so I put it in here. Sclerotherapy is the most effective treatment for the bleeding. Sclerotherapy involves the surgical placement of a stent into the ureter on the affected side with either silver nitrate or povidone iodine to chemically cauterize the vessel responsible for the bleed. We recommend having this procedure performed because without it, Coco is at risk for becoming anemic, having a low red blood cell count, and that was in parentheses, and or forming a large blood clot in, in his bladder that obstructs urine flow. Both of these scenarios are life-threatening emergencies. Cost per procedure is $6,100 to $7,500 with an unknown number of procedures required. Diet. This is what the specialist said. Coco can remain on his current diet. I was especially, this is me now getting back to my story. I was especially struck by the last sentence recommending that Coco remain on his current diet. In the holistic world, the diet is critical in most chronic cases and especially those involving the urine. How can a veterinary specialty medicine, how had, this is my big question today, maybe you guys can answer me. How had veterinary specialty medicine become so aggressive? In Coco's case, according to traditional Chinese medicine, the jing, or the essence that resides in the kidneys, was extremely weak and unable to balance the heat of the body, especially from the liver. Discontinuing Coco's lamb-based kibble diet was essential to cure <clears throat> to his cure, since carbohydrates create heat in the liver and it can create heat in the liver, and lamb is a hot protein, according to Chinese food energetics. Ken was not a fan of cooking for his dog, so we settled on a commercial dehydrated diet with raw, 
with ground raw cooling meats and kidney supporting vegetables. Uh, as a side note, those are asparagus, fennel bulb, parsley mainly. But perhaps the most important element of his treatment were his herbal medications. I prescribed powdered marshmallow root and nettle root um, to mix with his food, as well as a kidney support tincture containing nettle seed and yarrow, um, and a yarrow tincture, which is my favorite treatment for yermaturia. In five days, Coco was completely cured, going on two years now. It's, I mean, you know, you can't make this stuff up. Lola and Coco reminded me how holistic medicine can solve urinary problems even specialists cannot cure and with no side effects. So thanks you guys so much for your patience, listening to me read. What happened to me was we moved a lot as a children, as child, when I moved a lot as a kid. And um, in second grade, I think first and second grade, we moved like three times. And where I was, where I was in school, this was in Massachusetts, where I was in school, they were just learning how to read out loud and how to do more with, you know, sort of public reading. And then when I moved schools, um, they had already learned it. And so, uh, and we moved in the half year that year. So I... Um, so I, I always had a little trouble reading out loud. I'm trying to overcome that. Anyway, so thanks so much, you guys. Hey, give us some comments, what things you want me to talk about next time. And this is super easy peasy for me. Um, and I really love the opportunity. Tell all your friends. Thanks so much, guys.